Welcome to Remnant Voice Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode brought to you by Pastor Jason Armstrong. For more information on this episode and other podcasts, please go to remnantvoice.tv or email info at remnantvoice.tv. What's up, Remnant Nation? Thanks for tuning in to the Remnant Voice Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Armstrong. Recently, I was invited to be a guest on the End Time Headline Show with host Ricky Scapero. Ricky's a really good friend of mine. I've known him for several years. We've ministered get together, traveled together, and he messaged me and asked if I could come on his show and talk about some of the prophetic parallels and, and a prophetic perspective of this Passover season. So we're going to go right into that interview called Pestilence, Plagues, and Prophetic Parallels. So, again, we want to officially welcome everybody to the broadcast. Again, I'm Ricky Scaprell, the founder, the pastor, and the voice of End Time Headlines. Um, I'm here today. I'm joined with Jason Armstrong of Remnant Fire, uh, Remnant Fire Ministries, uh, and I'm going to give it over to him, and I want him to officially introduce himself, where he's from, um, and his affiliation with his ministry and what it's doing there in Cleveland, or in uh, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Yeah. So, Jason, good to see you, man. Good to see you, Ricky. And yeah, I was formerly Cleveland, Tennessee, but now yeah. I'm actually back home. Um, I'm back to my roots. I'm back to what I would call my land of inheritance, my, my land of promise um, here in Pigeon Forge. I grew up in this area um, and uh, went to school over in Jefferson County, which isn't far from here. And, uh, and so I spent about eight years in Cleveland, man, uh, working there. And then the Lord brought us back here uh, to this region, to this territory. And uh, uh, like you said, I'm the founder of Remnant Fire Ministries, um, as well as I'm the associate pastor here in Pigeon Forge at Summit Church. Um, so we're right in the middle. If you rolled out a map of uh, Pigeon Forge and uh, you, you look like dead center, you would find Summit Church. We're, uh, we're right at traffic light number one uh, when you come into the Smokies uh, on, on your way through here. So be sure if you, once all this stuff lifts and everybody's going to be coming back to the right. mountains, uh, make sure to swing by here when you guys are on vacation, uh, when you guys are checking out the Smoky Mountains, be sure to come by and see me here um, at Summit Church. And and be sure, <clears throat> Jason, give them uh, the website where they can find you. Yeah, um, for Remnant Fire Ministries, you can just go to remnantfire.com, remnantfire.com. And then for Summit Church, you can get all of our information. You can get all our services. You can get a, um, check out our School of Ministry, everything. Go to summitchurchtn.com, summitchurchtn.com. And, of course, be sure we're all over social media. Um, you can just check us out in the search boxes, uh, summitchurchtn and at remnantfire.com fire in the search boxes so you'll find us on instagram as well as facebook and probably twitter as well <laughs> okay well good news we got a lot of people we got more people coming in and they've they said they can hear us so we're good 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 all right guys so we <clears throat> when uh i knew we were heading up to passover we were heading into the season of passover and i knew that this season of passover was significant i knew that this wasn't just an ordinary passover and i knew just the individual that I needed to get in here on this broadcast and just and talk about what we're going to talk about today. And that's why I brought in Jason Armstrong. Listen, uh, Jason will never say this publicly, uh, but I've told you guys have heard me say this before. 
that I believe and still I still believe in the operation of the the uh, of the prophets in the earth today, and I deem Jason as a a modern day prophet. Um, I can tell you, um, I don't tell I don't tell Jason a lot of things about me personally, and I do that for a purpose and a reason. <laughs> it's because I want him to hear many times from God and get a word from me. Now, now listen, I believe in getting a word from the Lord. Mm-hmm. And any word that you get from a prophet should confirm what God's already showed you in the secret place anyway. But nevertheless, I can tell you his reputation holds everything he's ever told me personally and privately. He's never missed it. And this is why I hold him with a lot of respect. And I wanted him, I wanted to have him come on today and I wanted him to share his heart today. So today we're going to hit two aspects of this. We're going to hit an information side and we're going to hit a revelation side. So I want to, I'm going to kick this thing off and we're going to go back and forth. Um, and I want to give you a verse of scripture here real quick first. Um, and this is going to be, um, give me a second to find this guys. I pulled it up here. Um, I want to, I want to pull this up on the screen. Again, I told you this is a little bit new technology, so you got to bear with this. So you're going to see this scripture come up here. Now, this is in Exodus chapter 12, a very familiar passage. It's dealing with the story of, ex, uh, the story of Passover and how this was inst- instituted and how this came about. We all, most of you guys, we don't have to, to elaborate too much on this because you know the background of this. But you're going to see a little bit of scripture right there that I've got highlighted on there. And this is what I want to focus on. And this is what the Lord said to the children of Israel uh, 3,000 plus years ago. Keep that in mind. Verse Exodus 12, 14. So this day shall be to you a memorial. And you shall keep it. My God, there's so much meat just in that as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Now, Jason, I know you, you like a lot of Hebrew studies. Uh, when we look at this word memorial, can you, can, I want you to elaborate a little bit. Why did the Lord instruct the children of Israel to keep this as a memorial throughout all generations? Yeah, that word uh, memorial there is is literally just that. It's, it's a remembrance. It's I think it's zikron or, or something to that effect in Hebrew. But um, what what happens, man, is over processes of time, you'll see the children of Israel all throughout Scripture, um, went throughout time as they as they inherited land, as they um, went went to certain places, and people started mixing and mingling, and other nations starting to come around. Um, they started assimilating some of their gods and some of their mixture. And the Lord's saying, hey, no, I, if you do this, I want you to just to keep this ever before you. I want you to remember the hand that brought you out of Egypt. Remember basically uh, the, the heart of the father, uh, even from the Old Testament, the heart of the father bringing the sons out of bondage, out of slavery, into that sonship model and, and do it forever. Do it as a memorial. Each year, be reminded because there was, see, a lot of times, uh, too, because of the blessings of the Lord, uh, a lot of times we, we get more concerned about our blessings and we start forgetting about the source of those blessings. That's and good. and so uh, with things becoming a more memorial, it, it's, it's the power of remembrance is all throughout scripture. You know, he even has a book of remembrance. And so 
anytime we're going through tough situations, when we're going through um, crisis, when we're going through, um, you know, just different things that happen through life, uh, our mind gets attacked, you know, and so we can start meditating on certain things and that's, and we can get, be, start going and be led astray. Whereas when I remember the Lord, remember, and for, you know, I don't forget his benefits. I remember who he is. I remember his nature. I remember his character. I remember his promises. I remember the covenant that I have with him. Then I can have peace. I can have rest. I can have assurance. And so that's why, you know, again, these things were to be reminders and memorials um, that, that, hey, I brought you out by the power of my blood and by the body of the lamb. Um, and this one in, in particular, as far as Passover goes. Right. Now I've got to, you know, I've got to ask you this and off camera, I told you, I brought this up and I said, this is one of the things, one of the things that I get a kickback on a lot when you start talking about the, uh, and we'll just say the seven major feasts of Israel, because there is the minor feast and then there's the major feast Passover being one of the major, um, one of the kickbacks that, and you know this, that we get as ministers of the gospel, especially those who deal with uh, the Hebraic roots of the gospel, one of the kickbacks we get is from those individuals that say, well, you know, that's nice, but that was Old Testament, that was Old Covenant, we're under the New Testament, uh, we are, we're the church under the New Testament, um, so we don't need to observe this. We don't remember. We don't need to remember this and and preach this and this and that. So what what would you say uh, to maybe somebody that's watching today or on YouTube or listening by podcast or maybe on Facebook Live, and they've got this mindset because you and I both know we hear that propagated from pulpits, especially here in the West, a lot. Yeah. Um... First of all, with that, a lot of people even just cut out the Old Testament to begin with. But Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so that, that means, yes, the God of the Old Testament, who, who, who you know, uh, his, let me say it this way. His judgments are always redemptive. His heart, the Father's heart is always redemptive. So even in his judgments, mm -hmm. there's, there's, a, there's, a re, there's a redeeming character there to bring people back to him. Um, and so... With that, again, I'll go to Luke 24, and this is probably one of my favorite um, places. And this is a lot of what we do in our school of ministry is I've been, especially the first year, is I, I open the scriptures up concerning Jesus from Genesis all the way up through Malachi. And we, we see Jesus. He's, Jesus himself said, the volume of the book is written of me, right? Right. And on the road to Emmaus, Luke 24 is what I was talking about a minute ago. Uh, here's Jesus in a resurrected state. Jesus in walking in revival is the way I like to say it. He's walking in revival. He's walking in resurrection power. And uh, the two disciples are on the road to Emmaus and Jesus, they're talking and they're downcast. They're sad. And Jesus said, you know, what, why are you so sad? And they said, haven't you heard, you know, haven't you heard of the things that's happened today about Jesus, the, the, the man of Nat, prophet of Nazareth, he was a prophet mighty indeed and all that. And Jesus constrained, they constrain Jesus and they're having this uh, discussion. He bring, they ask Jesus to come into their house and they come to their house, they break bread, they're opening up the scriptures. And it says, and again, I'm just paraphrasing this. Uh, you can find it in Luke 24 um, in verses 40, uh, 42, I believe. So it says, beginning at Moses and the prophets, 
You know, right. that's the, that's the Torah. That's the law and the prophets. Um, he opened the scriptures to, to him on things concerning himself. And it says their eyes were open and their hearts burned. And most of us would love to stop there and call that revival. But it, the, the next phase of that, it says, and they knew him. Mm. So their eyes were open, their hearts burned, and they knew him. Why? Because Jesus, in a resurrected form, uh, opened the scriptures from Moses and the prophets saying, see, this was me in Genesis. This was me in Leviticus. This was me in Deuteronomy. So this was me right here. And, and not only was illumination happened, but fire came up on their heart and not just fire up on their heart. We, again, we would call that a good conference, a good revival. But they moved from there to actually knowing him. And that's, that's our heartbeat. And, uh, and so, again, I would say that goes into Colossians, um, Colossians 2, 16 and 17. It says, therefore, no, let no one act as like your judge in regard to food, drink, respect to a festival, new moon or a Sabbath day and all that. It says these things are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So when we're talking about the feast, when we're talking about the perspectives there. Yes, Christ fulfilled these things. And that's the whole beauty of it. That's the beauty of it is that the substance is of Christ. And so I'm getting to celebrate him. Uh, I love what Bill Cloud says. And he, he says, I don't have to, but I get to. get to. I don't have to, but I get to. And so, you know, when, when I'm sitting there and I start thinking about the lamb, you know, then I start uh, meditating on the scriptures where, you know, John said, behold, the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And we'll, we'll break into that a little bit later on. But you know, I start meditating. What does that really mean? I start thinking of uh, all the different things. And so I'm putting Christ in, in remembrance. When he, when Jesus was at the table with his disciples, he says, as often you do this, do what? Do this in remembrance as a memorial unto me. So the memorial hasn't stopped, but the focus has shifted. Come on. So you, so you'd agree with me when, when I say that it is dangerous to read a one-sided gospel. If we completely remove the Old Testament and just say, and there's, there's well-known, and I'm not going to name drop here, but these uh, well-known preachers that have large churches that has basically got up and implied that we don't need, like you said a while ago, we don't need to read the Old Testament. We have the New Testament. And there's a real danger in that because, again, uh, I believe there's, you know, you see a nature of God in the Old Testament that may not fully be seen in the New Testament per se, but I do believe it's there. And just uh, Perry Stone, you, you, and he always quotes this. He says, uh, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Um, so I love that. And there's so much truth in that. And, uh, and so that's why I loved having you come on today. Uh, because it's we get this full spectrum of this yeah man and, and here's the thing I, it's just like with the whole uh thing of ephesians you know about the fivefold ministry stuff and you know for so long it's just been you know pastor teacher evangelist and we've just kind of ducked our head or covered our head and say that apostolic prophetic thing that's 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 done away with well we've been three-fifths equipped and that's why you're not seeing the fullness of the maturity and the stature of christ because how can the other you know just pastor, teacher, and evangelist be there and not the other two. And that's a whole nother, exactly. that's a, yeah, a whole yeah. nother, um, <laughs> another time. Yeah. But again, same thing with the old Testament, man, we got to fall. When you fall in love with the word, he was the word made flesh, you know, 
when the Bereans were searching the scriptures, what scriptures were they searching? Um, what in the New Testament? Yeah, come on. So, uh, you know, when you have Holy Spirit, who's your teacher in all things, he'll lead you into all truth. He can illuminate everything that we read and you fall in love. It becomes this love story. And I'm longing because, because I'm loving on him. I'm longing to dive into this thing and, and, and see, see Christ, see the beginning, see the full picture of all this that's happening. So um, right. I can't help but feast from there, you know? Okay. So guys, we spent about 10 to 15 minutes giving you a little bit of a foundation here of, of this was all necessary to get to where I want to go to and where Jason wants to go to at the end of this thing. So, you know, I, I, I'm going to give you the information side of this and then I'm going to let Jason loose and give you the revelation side of this. I want to talk about, I want to show you, now this was interesting. I want to pull up this screenshot here and show you something uh, that I believe was interesting because it goes right along with what, what I'm going to discuss for the next few minutes. And that mm. is, uh, and I, we, I put, Jason and I put this message together um, <clears throat> last night where we, we got together and we put all this together. And then <clears throat> lo and behold, I got up this morning and I, I shot this over to him and I said, look at this. And this, I said, this headline goes right along with what we're going to talk about today. And this is a headline from Breaking Israel News. It says, Israelis notice eerie similarities between Passover in 2020 and original holiday in Egypt. Now, again, that is in reference to the original Passover that you read about in the book of Exodus, chapter 12, uh, that, again, was over 3,000 plus years ago. So there is a lot of things that's happening right now. Uh, that's been happening since the beginning of this year. Uh, I'm telling you, man, is on the on our calendar. We call this the Gregorian calendar. Our new year begins on January 1st. Again, uh, to the Jews, they their new year starts in September. Um, so on our calendar, I'm telling you, as soon as the ball dropped, things started going in motion. We there was wars, rumors of wars, the thing dealing with Iran. And then you had, uh, then we get into some stuff that is shadowed or paralleled right with the, what you saw in the plagues of Egypt. Um, there was a plague, and there's, this is an ongoing thing, these plagues of locusts. And we're talking about millions upon millions of these locusts. Um, that have been devouring uh, agriculture and food, and it's 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 caused a much threat in over at least ten countries. The, you can see up here. There's a little bit of I put this little bit map up here, and it shows you a little bit of a uh, a, a depiction of what we're looking at here. Um, they're calling this the worst plague of locusts in 70 years and 70 is a biblical uh number by the way uh and again it's spanned across 10 countries and could endanger millions of people already has the united nations food and agricultural organization warned that this outbreak could grow 400 times the current size that we're seeing by june Think about that, guys. Think about that for a second. Quote, they are ravenous eaters who consume their own weight per day 
targeting food crops and forage. Uh, one individual that they interviewed said that he, he was an eyewitness to what this was happening. And he said that the, it was like a, a cloud that ascended upon his crops. And Jason, did you see this or did you hear this? Within 30 seconds, 30 seconds, he had his crops and 30 seconds later, they were completely gone. Wow. And wow. they described, uh, they said these swarms were as big as cities like Manhattan. We're talking apocalyptic, blacking out the skies. There was video footage of this. We post a lot of this on End Time Headlines. Uh, they went on to say they're warning that these swarms could grow to millions, uh, quote, with the capacity to consume the same amount of food in one day as 35,000 people. Wow. Uh, the current widespread breeding in Kenya, Ethiopia, and Somalia represents, quote, an unprecedented threat to food security. Now, guys, now I want to stop here. Jason, this was before coronavirus came. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you've got this plague of locusts that's causing food securities and food shortages and threatening food. And then we're going to, and then, and then shortly after, a couple of months later, you have a pestilence. And again, in the Greek, the word pestilence comes from a Greek word meaning a plague leading unto death. And guys, people are dying. So you have a plague, you have a pestilence. Let me, I want to, um, <clears throat> I want to read on just a little bit more on this. This location has prompted fears that this locust plague is a sign of the apocalypse. Now, this is secular news media saying these terms. Not some end-time prophecy teacher. Because you know, you know how people are, man. You get on, you watch media, mainstream media. Those apocalyptic preachers are going at it again with those that fear-mongering stuff from the Bible. Well, these are mainstream sources using these terms, apocalyptic, yeah. biblical. Um, and even one publication said that we are witnessing a reoccurrence of what took place thousands of years ago in Egypt under the rule of Pharaoh. Wow. Wow, uh, come on. Now, mm. then, and then, then I saw this post. This was from Israel. Uh, many of you guys will remember this. this. Again, this was from Breaking Israel News. Benjamin, the Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Uh, for the first time, I'm going to read this. For the first time since the original Passover, more than 3,000 years ago, Israeli families will be locked down behind closed doors. How about that for a reoccurrence? just like they were during the fateful night in Egypt. And knowing this, Benjamin Netanyahu, in a, in a recent nightly address to the Israeli public, he praised Israel for their cooperation in its fight against the coronavirus. Mm. Netanyahu reminded the nation of Israel how the original Passover was celebrated by the Israelites alone, saying, quote, we will adopt the celebration of Passover like our forefathers in Egypt. Passover at home. And he emphasized being at home. Quote, every father and mother will celebrate Passover with the children that live in their home. After vowing to ensure that Israelis 
are that Israel's elderly will be looked after. Netanyahu then quoted a passage from the book of Exodus saying, quote, just like the Exodus from Egypt, our mission is clear and God will pass over the door and not let the destroyer enter the plague in your home. How, guys, that's, that is profound. Then last night, many of you guys uh, saw this article. Some of you guys probably went out of your home and uh, took a telescope. You, you may be able to observe this, uh, but this was all over the news. Uh, they deem this the largest supermoon of the year uh, that appeared overhead. Other, other sources call this, they quote, super pink moon. I still call it red moon or blood moon. Some even call this the Passover supermoon because this was literally ours. And by the way, Passover starts, Jason, am I correct on this? Passover starts at sunset tonight, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and, and even more technical, they would do it by the, the, the sliver of the moon and all that. But yeah, it's tonight. Right, right. Yeah. Um, as Jews around the world are preparing for the Passover cedar, just like they observed in Egypt while the angel of death was on the outside of their homes. Think about what's on the outside of our homes right now. What, what is the national authorities telling us to do? Get in your homes. Stay behind closed doors. I was, this was, Jason, did you see where the uh, World Health Organization, the CDC, Dr. Fauci, all them, one of these individuals, I can't remember her name, uh, doesn't come to Brick, my mind. Bricks, bricks yes. or something. Yes. She got up and says, don't even go to the grocery store in the next two weeks. Well, you know what the two-week time frame happens to be? Hmm. Yes, Pass- you got it. Passover. Passover. And wow. she made the statement, don't even go out of your homes. That gave me chills when I heard that. Hmm. Um, again, this is all transpiring. While Jews will be, again, and people all over the world, not just Jews, but Gentiles that understand the times and seasons of which we're in. You're looking at two of them here. Uh, they performed this 3,332 years ago, approximately on the night before the Israelites left Egypt. All right? So, and then, then you had this occurrence that took place. Uh, a magnitude... And now, Jason, I know you heard this because we talked about this. A magnitude 4.6 earthquake reportedly rocked the Red Sea region where many scholars believe the Jews crossed for the original Passover. Wow, come on. Um, again, this article, we reported this the other day. Uh, this was absolutely mind-blowing then again it's like hey i'm shaking things up here just to to get you to remind yourself and to and do this as a memorial shift your focus you know back to me you know everything i want your attention back on me not on everything that's going the chaos that's going around you but yeah so anyway that's, so good, that's, man. Yeah. that's just that's that's when i see something like that when i see that type of headline that you know a a biblical site or something where major events throughout the scripture um, happen, then it's just, that's kind of like a prophetic trigger, uh, for me to look at and be like, okay, Lord, what are you, what's happening here? What are you saying there? And it's just like, 
oh, remember this crossing over and how they crossed over into a new era. And a lot of prophets and prophetic people have been declaring that um, even now. And so you're seeing this shaking that's happening uh, to be reminded of Christ as well as crossing over into new things. So just a And I thought. just... I just did a message yesterday on that at Haggai, Haggai 3. Mm. Once again, I'll shake heaven and earth, sea and the dry land, and everything can be shaken, will be shaken. And this, again, this is why it's important, guys, to not only study the New Testament, but study the Old Testament. Because when you become familiar with these, with these, uh, with these feasts, because let me say this real quick, because I, I, I know we don't have all day to do this, and I want to I be respectful of your time. We, God operates in seasons, cycles, and patterns. Mm -hmm. Always has, always will. It is not a coincidence. And we could, Jason and I could get real deep here and we could talk about Hebrew words for times and seasons. And I don't want to get into all that. But when you start seeing events like this happening during a, uh, a feast day on the Hebrew calendar, you need to pay attention. This is why when the four blood moons came, I know everybody trashed, you know, Mark Bilts and Jonathan Kahn and John Hagee and all those who talked about the four blood moons. But, you know, I saw this and just because something didn't happen that month or three months don't mean that this wasn't a warning that was going out. Because remember, Jason, remember this? The Lord warned in 30 AD. Do you not see all these stones and these beautiful stones arrayed? He said, not one stone will be left that will not be toppled down. He said that, and a whole generation later, that was fulfilled in 70 AD. Yeah, and, and people got to understand, those are signs, not fulfillments. You know, if I'm driving down the road and I'm headed to a destination, and I look and I see a sign, that's not my destination. That's just saying, hey, I'm getting closer to where I'm headed. That's so, good. So those right. things are just signs, period. Anyway. Right. So then you had this article, Netanyahu considers Passover lamb sacrifice on Temple Mount for the first time in 2,000 years. The Sanhedrin, tasked as the head of the Temple Mount organization with submitting the letter to the Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to perform the ritual Passover sacrifice in its proper place, the Temple Mount. Now I'm going to talk about the Temple Mount in just a second. And it's biblically meant. And in its biblically mandated time, Wednesday afternoon on the eve of Passover feast, that's today. Quote, the project is of the other most importance for all mankind, according to Rabbi Hillel Weiss, spokesman for the Sanhedrin, told Breaking Israel News. He noted that the original Passover sacrifice offered in Egypt on the night before the Exodus was intended, listen to this, to stop the final plague. Now, now, stop here, guys. Netanyahu just acknowledged the correlation or the parallel of the plague 3,000 years ago, and now there's a plague on the outside of your doors, and he's emphasizing stay in your doors during Passover. You can't make this stuff up. In addition, King David purchased the Temple Mount, built an altar, and offered a sacrifice to stop a plague. But it's not only Benjamin Netanyahu who's having a change of heart about this. But other organizations are now jumping on board as well. Uh, in addition to permission to perform this ritual on the Temple Mount, they are also emphasizing, and I talked about this, um, I did a whole 
segment on this. In fact, I did two segments on this. I wrote two articles on this. One was multiple prophetic events that are converging in Israel in 2029. You can find that on our main website. Uh, and let me, I'm just going to, I'm not going to read these in detail. I'm just going to give you a couple of these. Because I said, I've always said, and Jason will agree with me, that Israel is the timepiece. Uh, in Matthew 24, he's, he, 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 the Lord emphasizes this. Keep your eyes on Israel. They're the main piece. All right. In the beginning of the year, there was major prophetic events converging with Israel. Uh, there was torrential rains that fell for two weeks in Israel, breaking a 50-year record for the highest amount of precipitation in northern Israel. And just from the rains that fell, it broke a 76-year-old record as well where and we saw rivers of water flowing from jerusalem into the dead sea fulfilling what many say was the pr prophecy of ezekiel and i'll let you read this and your and let you do your own homework ezekiel 47 talks about this then in another report the ritual baths for the future temple in jerusalem uh have reportedly now been fully functional for, for the first time in 2000 years now you say why is this important because, guys, since 1987, the temple movement has begun preparations for the rebuilding of this third temple in Israel. The Orthodox Jews have revived the Sanhedrin, which is the religious body that supervised the legal issues and responsibilities related to the Temple Mount in the Old Testament and who intended to see it rebuilt in our lifetime. This organization has been ongoing with preparations. In fact, uh, the construction of a cornerstone for the third temple, the making of various temple-related utensils, even the preparation and purpose of the red heifer is being prepared for water mixed with red heifer ash for the temple. That was in 2018. There was a headline that shook the world of Bible prophecy when they reported that a red heifer had been born in Israel for the first time in 2000 years and guys since 2020 beginning of the year they have been pushing for a third temple now you can find this in revelation chapter 11 revelation chapter 11 talks about this and i don't know if you know this jason you probably do i know you keep up with a lot of this stuff but a lot of these orthodox jews and these rabbis are emphasizing the return of the quote-unquote messiah now, I personally believe, and some of these rabbis have said that the Messiah will appear this year. And I, now I don't, I've not talked to you off camera on this, but I personally believe this Messiah that they're emphasizing is not the Messiah uh, that we know of. And I say that because I believe, because many of them don't even have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Many of them are mystics. Um, and they don't have a personal relationship with the Lord. And I believe according to Thessalonians, that there is going to be a false Messiah that will appear and he will take his residence in the temple and he will set himself up as God and be worshiped as God. And then the real Messiah returns as King of Kings and Lord of Lords out of heaven. So I've said this before. I, I believe the false Messiah will rise up among men, but the real Messiah will come out of heaven. Do you agree with that, Jason? You yeah, man. I, no, I'm just, I just going to say on, on that part, you know, you know, <laughs> their Messiah and as, as well as our Messiah has already come, you know, and now our job uh, with Christ in us, the hope of glory is to provoke them to jealousy, to bring them 
and talk about the grafting in. So there's another thing. Yeah. 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 And so there's a, uh, you know, that's, that's our job as, as witnesses of the Lord um, to be able to speak against those things that would uh, cause them to go astray. Um, and, And for us to be true witnesses, of the Messiah and saying, "Hey, your 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 Messiah has already come. Let me sh- share and explain." So uh, that's again that goes into the uh, one new man and and how how to function as the one new man in Christ uh, as, as well. But yeah, I'm with you on that one. Um, now, I want I just loaded you guys with a lot of information. I know it's a lot to chew on, but I wanted to show you some of these parallels that are happening right now. Uh, in real time, in, in, uh, in sequence with the season of Passover. Now, I want to give it over to Jason because I know he's got a word of encouragement that I, I want him to share with you guys uh, what we need to be doing while we're in. We're inside. We're behind the closed doors. We're, we're uh, if you want to use a governmental term, the shelter in place. While we're doing that, um, this is a good season. Uh, to to do what Jason's about to encourage you to do. So Jason, go ahead and take the floor, man, and 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 just plow with us for a little bit. Yeah, man. Uh, I want I want everybody to go back to Exodus 12 with me if you're taking notes or if you're watching or whatever. Um, and, and so I just want to go through a couple of things here that that we see. Again, Christ has fulfilled this. He is our Passover. Um, but what really, really fires me up is when you understand the substance of uh, the Passover. When John the Baptist and John, I believe it's in John one twenty nine, he said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That was a massive monumental statement uh, that he was making. He, he, prior to that, again, he was trying to tell everybody, hey, I want you to repent, change your mind, because I'm trying to get this. You're, you're looking for a king, but he's coming, but not in the same way that you're thinking. You know, it was prophesied that he was going to be coming, sitting on a donkey. Um, and, and so you're thinking he's coming on the throne. You know, he's got to steward the donkey before the throne. And, and so you, you've got to, to recognize this. But so John was trying to, to get everybody to change their mind so they could receive what was coming. And when he says, behold, the Lamb of God, that takes away the sin of the world. I'm telling you, when you understand the fullness of what that statement means, I mean, there's such a richness there. Um, again, that goes back to Romans where it talks about the oil. Don't, you don't support the root. The root supports you. And you go back to the root of the scripture. That's where the oil and the fatness That's where the supply comes from. And so, um, he, you know, Jesus, speaking of John the Baptist, how many miracles did John the Baptist do? How many did he perform? None. Did he part the water? Uh, was there, you know, fire and earthquakes and shaking? Did he, you know, raise dead sons? Um, did he multiply the widow's oil? Did he, did he do any of that stuff? No, nope. but yet, but John, but Jesus said of John the Baptist, there's no other prophet uh, born among women. That's greater than John the Baptist. Yeah. He's the least in the kingdom. Uh, and again, that's a whole nother <laughs> teaching we can get into there, but, but why is, why is Jesus saying that of him? And I, this is my personal belief that it's because John the Baptist was able to recognize the lamb because he, 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 he recognized in, in seed form and he recognized the lamb in fullness form. So remember, he leapt in, 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 uh, in his womb. mother's womb, in Elizabeth's womb, when he first encountered him. And then, you know, time goes by and then Jesus, he, he's prophesying, he's saying this is coming. There's a one coming, you know, after me, I'm, I'm not uh, worthy to even lash his sandal. Then boom, here he comes on the scene. And, he's, and, G, and John the Baptist 
the voice, the witness, uh, bearing witness of the light. He wasn't the light. He, he was the lamp. Jesus was the light. But it, he said, behold, the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And I'm, I'm, my question for those watching and listening, do you know how to behold the lamb? And because, again, you'll see throughout Scripture, what you behold, you become. And, and we are to be conformed to Christ's image. We are to become like him. In this earth, we are to be manifesting him. And so um, when I heard that statement and just read that over, it's like I could hear his voice just echoing in me, behold the lamb, behold the lamb, behold the lamb. So I started going back and diving back and looking at, the, at okay, what does it mean um, to be the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world? Uh, because if we get the lamb wrong, everything else is going to be messed up. If we get Christ wrong, we're going to we're going to be missing the bark big time. And so I go back to Exodus 12 and I look at, at this Passover lamb. And it said, now the Lord said to Moses, Exodus 12, 1, it says, Lord said to Moses in the land of Egypt, uh, this month shall be the beginning of months for you. It shall be the first month of the year to you. So number one, right off the bat, I love how the Lord's saying, I want you to set your time now. I'm redeeming the time of your slavery. I'm redeeming the time of your bondage, that your time frame starts now when the blood is applied. You know, we're not counting your history in slavery. I'm setting, and this is a new beginning, a new time frame for you. You know, all, behold, all things have become new. When I'm in Christ, when I'm in the Lamb, the old man has passed away, and all things have become new. So my history with God starts there. So he starts off in Exodus 12 saying, hey, I'm, I'm changing your time. I'm setting your time and season. It's coming into alignment with me. Start counting your time from me. So uh, this month shall be the beginning of months for you. It shall be the first month of the year. And then verse three says, speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying on the 10th of this month, they are each one to take a lamb for themselves. Notice this was to be personal, a lamb for themselves. Um, and it says, according to their father's household, a lamb for each household. So again, you see the father's heart. When you look through prophetic revelation, knowing Christ, you look from the father's heartbeat here was for each, for household salvation. You know, for each each house to have a lamb in its house, you see that again fulfilled with um, Acts chapter ten at Cornelius's house. You know, right. the, the house not just to the Jew but to the Gentile in Acts chapter ten. I call I, I call um, um, Cornelius's house the the Gentile upper room, but that's a whole other um, thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. So so again, the Father's heart was for every household to have a lamb, a personal lamb. You know, in and it says now, verse four, if the household is too small for the lamb, then, then he and his neighbor nearest his house are to take one according to the number of the persons in them. According to each man should eat, you are to divide, divide the lamb. So again, look at this. What's the, what's the greatest commandment? You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your being. And what's the second one? Love your neighbor as yourself. And so here's the picture of sharing the lamb with your neighbor or going from house to house with the lamb. You know, if, 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 I mean, I'm just one person in the house and I've got this whole lamb. I, I don't want to wait. I can't consume all that. So I'm going to go to my neighbor's house and I'm going to feast and fellowship on the lamb with them. That's good. You see that? So, so again, look in the book of Acts, they went from house to, to the temple and from house to house. So you see that kind of played out here. Um, verse five, it says, your lamb shall be unblemished. Now we're getting to some just, man, I almost weep every time. Um, your lamb shall be unblemished. It shall be a, a male year old. That's very important. And you guys better be highlighting that, uh, underlining that because of the stuff that's coming, the doctrines that are coming out. Um, it was even a couple of years ago, there were some articles shared 
and I'm just going to say it, you know, saying that, that Jesus was transgender or Jesus was non-binary. Uh, you know, Jesus was genderless. And I'm like, if if that's true, then we're in trouble. If that's true, there's a violation of scripture here. And there's churches preaching that too now. Yeah. And, and, and and again, this is why the old Testament's important. Right. Um, because otherwise I'm not going to know the requirements when John the Baptist, who was to be a priest, he, so he knew what lambs look like, right? So he, he, he knew because his father, Zacharias, the priest, and he knew he was to be the next in line for that stuff. But the Lord was ushering in a new era. And so again, he said, the, the lamb of God, behold, the lamb of God, he had to be unblemished and it had to be a male. And so again, if people are saying, you know, he's transgender, he's this, he's that, then, you know, God, he's a female and all that stuff. Um, I'm sorry. Then the lamb's blemished according to, him fulfilling that and if the lamb's blemished then the blood's blemished and then we're all in trouble see what i mean all right so your lamb shall be unblemished a male your you shall take it from the sheep from the goats you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month the whole of the assembly of the congregation shall uh, of israel shall kill it at twilight um so again from the 10th day to the 14th day so the 10th day they were to get the lamb and the 14th day of the month, um, that's when they are actually supposed to sacrifice the lamb uh, to make the sacrifice. So my question is, what was happening during that four-day window from the 10th to the 14th? What was going on? And this is where, uh, this is where when you understand a little bit of the history and the culture and tradition, what was going on, they were inspecting the lamb. Because they, they had to make sure that the lamb was without blemish. So the fathers and the mothers were getting with their sons and daughters with the lamb inside their house. Come on, listen to this. With, with, as family, they were inspecting the lamb. They were making sure. They were combing behind the ears of the lamb. They were checking the gums of the lamb. They, they were checking the hooves of the lamb. They were checking the belly of the lamb. They were checking the tail of the lamb. They were checking out the lamb from head to toe, inside and out, making sure uh, that the lamb was without spot or blemish. They were literally, as a family, beholding the lamb. Come on. That's good. So that was what was happening during that four-day time frame. They were inspecting and making sure that everything... Um, there was no spot or blemish. Now let's fast forward to the New Testament just a minute, because in order for Jesus to be the Lamb of God, he's got to fulfill, right? If he came to fulfill all these things, he's got to fulfill all these things about um, being without spot or blemish. And from the, his triumphal entry, and I love saying it this way, uh, when he um, conquered death, hell, and the grave, I call it the triumphal exit. So um, he's got a triumphal entry as well as the triumphal exit, where he's pulled principalities and powers in Colossians. But but from the day he rode in to the day he was crucified, what was, what was happening? They said, Hosanna, 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 right? Hosanna to the highest. They threw their coats on the floor um, uh, uh, and they were praising. We just celebrated Palm Sunday. Uh, from there to his crucifixion was a four-day time frame where Jesus, if he was the lamb, had to be inspected. And so there had to be we had there had to be public confessions um, stating that he was without spot or blemish, and so you can see that uh, you can go if you guys are taking notes you can go to Matthew twenty seven and see this pretty much all played out um, played out there and it says in uh, verses seventeen this is Pilate you know Pilate therefore when he had uh, gathered together Pilate said to them whom do you want me to release to you and they cried out Barabbas which 
side note on this one, it's a whole nother message too. You know how we do, but it means son of the father. So they released a son of the father who was a murderer uh, in order to crucify another son of the father. Man. Yeah. Um, for he knew that he had handed him over because of envy. Um, again, envy will cause you to mishandle Jesus. Say law on that one. <laughs> but I was sitting on the judgment seat with his wife next to him saying, have nothing to do with that man. Listen, this is Pilate's wife. Um, have nothing to do with that man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. So Pilate's wife was getting a dream um, concerning Jesus. But says the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. And the governor answered and said to them, which two do you want me to release to you? And they, again, they cried out Barabbas. Um, Pilate then said, what shall I do with uh, Jesus who's called the Christ? And they said to him, let him be crucified. And the governor said, what evil has he done? So again, Pilate's asked him, what's he done? And, but they just kept getting louder and louder and saying, let him be cruci crucified. And then so when Pilate, again, saw that he couldn't prevail against him, um, but rather like riots and stuff were happening. It says, Pilate himself, what do you do? If you've seen the Passion of the Christ, we've seen this image. You know, Pilate, what? Washed his hands, saying, I'm innocent of the blood of this just person. Right. You see. And, 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 so, and a lot of that was inspired from his wife, from the dream. Yeah. Yeah. So his wife is testifying, saying, hey, this guy's innocent. Leave him right. alone. And now Pilate himself is recognizing it and he's saying, whoa, hey, I'm washing my hands of this. So now you've got two witnesses saying, hey, this guy's, you're, you're killing him unjustly, you know, but we know it's all part of the plan, right? Right. Um, but again, he had to, in order for him to be the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, like John prophesied, he had to be divinely inspected and make sure he was without blemish, right? So um, again, Pilate and uh, Herod, you know, when Again, when Pilate was handling Jesus and, and he heard that uh, Jesus was from Galilee, you know, Pilate's like, oh, he's a Galilean. Well, he's not part of my jurisdiction. I'm going to send him over to Herod. You know, he's, he's over in Herod's jurisdiction. Let's, uh, let's, let's send him over there. Uh, in Luke 23, and it's around verse uh, 7 it's like or 8. politicians, don't it? Come on. Kicking yeah. the well, can. Hello. Putting the blame on somebody else. <laughs> Again, the, right. That, that's how they do, right? There's nothing new under the sun. Come on. Right. Um, and that's why it also tells us to beware the leaven of Herod. So one of the things you do at Passover is make sure you examine your house and get all the leaven out. Um, but uh, <laughs> anyway, in Luke 23, I think it's verse eight or so, it says that uh, when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad. Um, for he had desired long time to see him. So Herod had a desire to see Jesus. But listen for his motive. All right. He had heard the many things about him. He had opened his, He had hoped to see a miracle done by him. So again, Pilate saying, okay, Jesus is a Galilean. He's going to be part of Herod's jurisdiction. So let's send him over to Herod. Herod finds out about it. And he's like, man, this is great. I've always wanted to see Jesus. I want to be entertained by him. Yeah. So I'd submit to you again, not only is 11 of Herod um, a political thing, but it's also um, treating Jesus as entertainment. That's good, man. You know, how, how wow. do we treat, how are we treating Jesus? We're treating Jesus as, oh, just entertain me, perform certain things for me versus me being, it's more about performing and being, and per, uh, performing versus being conformed. Does that make sense? Because he didn't behold the lamb. Come on, come on. That's right. No, he, he just, he just, he didn't actually take hold of the lamb. He just kept, entertainment will keep Jesus at a distance. Sure. He heard of the lamb, but he didn't behold of the lamb. Right. He had faith because he heard about it. He heard about the miracles that Jesus had done. Right. And he was hoping to even see. 
But he, but so he, entertainment kept Jesus at a distance from him versus him actually beholding him and being transformed by that. My goodness, man. Say that again. Say it one more time. What you just said. Yeah. That, that Herod, you know, entertainment kept Jesus at a distance from him. And so because it, he didn't, wasn't able to actually behold the lamb and be transformed by the lamb because he couldn't isn't, behold him. Isn't this the indictment of a lot of the modern church today? We come into the house of God and we want just enough of Jesus that we can be entertained by him, but we want him far enough that he can't tr be transformed by him. Come on, man. So you got a bunch of people in the church they come to be, uh, they come to, for performance, they come to be entertained. The bless me club, what can he do for me? What can he do for me? But then yeah. you have a remnant like John that understand him in seed form, but also understand him and understand the, the, the significance of who he is. That's so good, man. That's yeah, so good. that's, so again, he's the one that's being, um, He's the one that's being, Jesus is being interviewed or, or inspected again, not just by Pilate and Pilate's wife, but now by Herod, right? Uh, again, you go on, I'm, I'll move a little quicker here, but um, he goes before um, Annas and, and Caiaphas in John 18. Um, and ultimately, listen to this one, uh, Matthew 27, 4. There's another one that we know that, that betrayed Jesus, Judas, right? Um, but Judas had a testimony. He testified of Jesus being innocent blood. Matthew right. 20. Yeah. We can't, we can't uh, discredit that, that language there in, John, in Matthew 27, verse 4. He says, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. Come on. That, that's telling you that the, his body and his blood. Again, innocent blood. Hmm. Um, one of the other ones and that really kind of gets me, I tell people I was going to, uh, do a message one day called uh, Confessions from the Cross and uh, talking about the repentant thief there in, uh, I think it's in Luke 23. But it says, um, you know, you've got Jesus on, on the cross and you got the, the, uh, the two thieves up there with him, the, the criminals that were up there with him being hanged, hanged there with him. And it says, one starts blaspheming. If you are the Christ, you know, save yourself and us, right? Right. And uh, the other one, this is the other thief, rebuked him right just picture that for a minute the other thief looks at him and says they're 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 crucified they're hanging there yeah they're, he's they're like done. you know what are you doing you know i can just imagine that conversation you know in my mind right now you know what are you what are you doing and uh do, do you, you not even fear yourself, god seeing you're under the same condemnation have you ever asked yourself how did the thief on the cross have that kind of revelation that fast of who jesus was do you think I mean, I've never studied this historically, but I've always wondered that was just was this like a revelation that he got while he was on the cross, or did he was there hearsay? Did he hear about Jesus before he was ever convicted and put on the cross? Have you ever thought about that? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's kind of what I'm. I think I'm leading into okay, here in yeah, a way. Yeah, go ahead. Principle want... principle wise, um, it says that you know uh, the thief, the repentant thief. Let me say it that way. Uh, Luke 23 and verse uh, 41, I'm going to bring it up here. It says, and, and we indeed justly. So he's saying, look, we, we belong here because we are guilty. Right. For we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. So again, 
there's another witness, divine inspection of the lamb, the lamb without, behold, the lamb of God takes away mm -hmm. the sin of the world. The lamb in, in Exodus 12 had to be without spot or blemish, mm -hmm. right? And, and so, again, now you've got not only Pilate and Pilate's wife, you've got Herod, you've got Annas and Caiaphas. Now you've got the thief on the cross literally testifying, man, that, hey, That's this man doesn't more. even, even, yeah, right. exactly. So um, it says, so when the, uh, and then the centurion who's down there at the bottom, right? Wow. So when the centurion saw that what happened, he glorified God saying, certainly this, this was a righteous Man, so now you have all these witnesses from authority positions, high authority positions to the governmental positions who are actually testifying that this was a righteous man, which again, when you understand the fullness of Christ, that he, he, he was without sin as the lamb without blemish, I'm telling you, that we can have an assurance, we can have a resting in our spirit, in our soul mm. um, fr from these things. There's such a blessed hope because when we understand um, the lamb, but it, again, it takes a, a true crucified life. This is why I was getting back with the thief. It takes a true crucified life to recognize the lamb. The repentant thief, yeah, took up his cross, followed Jesus, if you will, you know. And it was there he said, Lord, remember, here's that memorial thing again, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus looked and said, This day you'll be with me in paradise. Come on, and what did Jesus tell his followers? If any man yeah. desires to follow after me, let him take up his cross, deny yeah, himself, and follow yeah. after me. Yeah, come on. So that, that, that's the message from the thief on the cross. So. Right, but right. It, yeah, but again, so he, he's unblemished. He's without spot. Now, let's go into the blood for just a second. Go back to Exodus 12, and it says, um, cause, uh, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month again. Verse 7, it says, moreover, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts, and on the lintel of the house, which they, which they eat it. And they shall eat the flesh the same night, roasted with fire, and they shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled at all with water, but rather roasted with fire, both its head, its legs, along with its entrails. And you shall not leave any of it over until morning, but whatever is left over until morning, you shall burn with fire. None of you shall eat it now, you shall eat it in this manner. I'm just, I'm going to read all these and I'm just going to flow. So that way we, I can, yeah. <laughs> I'm ready. To and then I'm going to have you pray with, I'm yeah. going to have you okay. close it and we're going to pray. It's, it says, now you shall eat it in this manner, your loins girded, your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. So whose Passover is it? The Lord's Passover. So again, uh, they were to take the blood put it on the doorpost and the, and the lintel, and then they were to bring the lamb inside the house. And what were they to do? Roast it with fire and consume the lamb, including its head, its legs, and its entrails, right? And they right. should, and so this right here is a picture. I'm telling you guys, not, this is where we get our phrase, we're under the blood, right? Because I'm in the house. And from the very beginning, the Lord wanted a family. He wanted sons and daughters. And he was showing you that there's only one way to enter the household of God. And that was going to be by the blood of the lamb. Jesus in John 10 said that I am the door. Any man tries to enter in in any other way, he's the same as a thief and a robber. So yes, there's only one way into this household of God. And that's through the blood on the doorpost, which was Christ Jesus shedding his blood on the cross. And so Muhammad can't do it. Confucius can't do it. Buddha can't do it. Nobody else. There's only one way in right. to this door into this kingdom. And he's just supplied an amazing entrance into this kingdom, according to the book of Peter. And so we have an entrance by the blood of the lamb into this. Now, once I'm in the blood, I'm in the household of God. What do I do with the lamb? 
how am I handling the lamb? And it, and it says they are to roast it with fire and they are to feast on it. And see, I'm, I would say, Ricky, a lot of times, especially now, modern, a lot of times, modern day times, we're hearing, uh, it says that the lamb wasn't supposed to be boiled with water or sodden down. And I would say a lot of people are preaching like a, a soggy gospel, you know, <laughs> a watered down lamb, you know. You and so we, we've watered down the lamb with religion. We've watered down the lamb with tradition. We've watered down the lamb with all kinds of things that, that's made the word of God none effect with our own thoughts, ideas, and whatever. But the Lord's saying, no, I have a lamb. It's been prepared by fire. And I'm wanting you to feast on this lamb. So when they got in the ha- they were under the blood in the house. Now, what did they do? They were supposed to feast on the lamb. And it says, eat the head. What does that represent? That represents having a Christ-like mind. That represents having a Christ-like mind. I, I, as, he, as a man thinketh, so is he. And so, you know, I'm to have the, the word, re- renew my mind, transform my mind. You know, and it says, my thoughts are not his thoughts, right? But they can become that way because the Spirit of God grants us access to the mind of Christ. So I can have the mind of Christ. And when I do that, I'll be able to consume the legs. What would I do with consuming the legs of the lamb? That means I walk like him. That means I walk like him. I walk by faith, not by sight. I walk as sons, right? I'm not walking as orphans anymore. I walk as a son. And then uh, what else? It says the entrails. You know, that's the heart. That's liver. That's all those things. So that means I have his compassion. I have his compa- I have his mind. I have his walk. I have his compassion. Um, it also says that do not. Um, verse eleven says, "Now you eat it in this manner with your loins girded." That means be ready to go. That means uh, be ready to run. They would take up their uh, robes and tuck them in their right. belts and, and be re- be ready to run. You're, that means we got to be f- quick to flee all the ways of sin, all the ways of fornication. Be quick to flee all those things. Uh, all the ways of Egypt. That's what that's pointing to. Your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. What's the staff in your hand represent? So because of the blood of Jesus, because of his body, now every believer that's in the household of God has been given authority. Staffs represent authority. And so every one of us have been given authority and we are to run with that authority, teaching and releasing the lamb of God. See, it's not good enough for us just to be in the house of God. We've got to get the lamb inside of us. And so so, so many people, that's, that's a picture of religion. I'm under the blood. I'm just sitting around and it's cool. The lamb's out. I'm in the house and the lamb is in the house, but the lamb's not inside me yet. The whole goal was to get the lamb inside me. The kingdom is within me. Luke 17 says, don't say it's over here or over there, but the kingdom is within. Why? Because Christ is there. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So we've got to get the lamb on the inside of us. And that, that's, our, that's his heart. And we are to be quick to flee all the ways of fornication and all the ways of Egypt, all the carnality, all those things be conformed to his image. And we do that by the blood. So the blood is on the, has already been... Um, put on the lintel and on the doorposts. We know all throughout scripture, um, you know, that in first John, first John one, he talks about the, if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, the, of his, his son cleanses us from all sin. Right. Um, in revelation, it says uh, in 12 revelation, twelve eleven, it says that, and they overcame him by how, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And again, they didn't love their own lives un, unto death. And we know in First Peter that we've re- been redeemed, not, not with corruptible things, right? Thank God I, I don't have, we don't have to do this every year. You know what I mean? As right. Christ has come. And so I can remember I, my, what I'm doing is I'm not sacrificing the lamb again. I'm remembering the, the, the perpetual sacrifice of Jesus 
Christ as the Lamb of God. And so I'm putting him in remembrance of everything that he's done. And so, again, First Peter says, knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold for your, for your aimless conduct received by tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and a lamb without spot. Right? Come on. Um, it also says in, uh, you know, First Corinthians 5, it says, uh, your glory, he's talking to the Corinthian church. Remember, they had a lot of gifts going on there. They had a lot of gifts, but they also had a lot of um, sexual immorality too. Come on, why? Because I believe they, they mishandled the lamb. So uh, it says, that's why Paul, when he came to him, he said he uses the phrase of feasting and, and everything. He says, therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump since you are truly unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover was, as tense, was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And so what, he's, what keep, feast is he saying to keep here? He's saying, keep feasting on the lamb, which is Christ Jesus, his body, which was broken for you, and, and that his, by his stripes that bring the healing, his blood that was shed for you, that, that, that uh, our sins are remitted, and, and that there's forgiveness uh, because of those things. So he's saying, I want you to feast on, on these things. Um, do you have any, there's some more I've got on the blood, man. But again, Ephesians 1 says, in, in whom we have redemption through his blood, forgiveness of sins, according to his riches of grace. Um, you know, at one time we, we were away from the Lord, but we were brought nigh by the blood of Jesus. Ephesians 2 um, tells, us, tells us that. Colossians 1, um, 14 again says that in him we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And uh, Hebrews Hebrews 9, Hebrews 12, all those talks about the blood of the new covenant um, with Christ being um, the high priest and who's still in function under the order of Melech Zadok or Melchizedek, uh, king of righteousness. And his blood, Christ's blood, is speaking a better word even now um, over all of us. And so uh, in this time of crisis that seems to be going on, uh, or that is going on, it's not seeming, it is going on. And, and even in future times of crisis, you know, we are to, are, what we are to do as believers is behold the lamb, yeah. consume the lamb, rec, empower the blood, the covenant of the blood, us being in the household of God, a spiritual household being built up in him, feasting on the lamb. There's an opportunity to feast from the table of fear and drink from the cup of demons right now, or we can be sitting at the table of the Lord, feasting on, on, on who the Lord says he is uh, in this hour. Well, I want to interject this real quick, and then I'm going to have you pray, Jason, and we'll, we'll uh, wrap this up. We were, we're talking about prophetic parallels here, too. I, don't believe, I believe when you, the thing that which was is the thing that shall be. I believe all prophecy goes full circle. Um, things that you read about in the past tense were going, are going to be things you see in the future. In other words, where we're going is where we've been. A lot of times it's a picture, parallel, uh, prophetic pictures and prophetic prophetic parallels it's interesting that the early church started in the home when you read the book of acts the early church was instituted and started out now look, i'm not discrediting brick and mortar buildings because we're not doing that but i'm just saying i believe when this thing goes full circle and we don't know how long this season is going to last but it's interesting that god has put us back into the family unit he's put us back into the home um, and now what a time that it is to reflect on the lamb. He's the cheap cornerstone. Come on. Come on. Um, Come on. 
And I don't want to, I don't want to be guilty like Herod was to have a perception of the lamb that what can you do for me? What are the blessings that you could do for me and have a distant relationship with him, but not have a personal relationship with him. So guys, we are without excuse right now. If there was ever a time that we can get with our families, get together, behold the lamb, study the lamb, feast on the lamb. Now it is. We, I mean, we have governed authorities and saying, stay in the house, stay in. And again, in case you didn't care, I know a lot of people came on here late. You got to go back and watch the beginning of this. There, there's a lot of bad things going on the outside and we can, we can keep our focus on what's going on the outside or we can remain focused on what God wants to do on the inside. Because again, I, you've always heard me say this, guys, that you guys know this, you, <clears throat> that are followers of our ministry. <clears throat> True revival comes from the inside and goes out. What yeah, would happen, yeah. Jason? You want to talk about a prophetic parallel. The children of Israel went into a place of closure and they remained behind closed doors until the indignation passed. And then what happened when they come out? When they came out, the Bible says they came, they began to progress into their promise. They came out with silver and gold. They came yeah, out and there was not one feeble among with them. Listen, I don't believe the Lord is coming back for a church that's broke, busted, and disgusted. I believe he's coming back for a glorious, powerful church without spot nor wrinkle. Is that not what the word says? Yeah, come on. And I, so I believe that God is using everything, Romans 8, 28, for all things are working together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Even when you go into the book of Genesis, even Joseph acknowledged, he said, all the evil that the enemy intended, God is using it for good. I really believe with all my heart, when all this is said and done, um, it would be a sad indictment against us as the body of Christ to come out of this thing. Whenever this season passes, when the indignation is passed, when this pestilence is over and we come out of the door, it, and I hear this phrase all the time, <clears throat> I just wish this thing would go away so we can all just get back to normal. Well, that's the problem. We don't need to get back to normal. Normal no. is what got us in trouble. We don't need normal Christianity. We don't need normal walks with God. We need radical, fire-branded, Holy Ghost, Spirit-filled church today. So we need to come out of this thing different than we came in this thing. Or it would, be, it would be sad. I don't want that to be said of you. I know Jason doesn't want that to be said of you. So what I want Jason to do right now, we're going to close this thing. Before we close in prayer, I want to close in prayer. Before we do that, intimeheadlines.org, intimeheadlines.com, that's where you can find end time headlines, remnant revival, or I'm sorry, remnantfireministries.com, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah or remnantfire.com, either way. It remnant, all remnantfire.com, remnantfire. Uh, go and find Jason, get plugged in with him. Uh, Summit Church, uh, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. You can find them. They're on Facebook. They, uh, they stream services on every Sunday uh, and Wednesdays, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, so you can find the Wednesday. times and all that on the website. And again, once we get back to uh, quote unquote normal, and we get back to our services, then again, if you're anywhere in the Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg, anywhere in that region of driving distance, 
and, and, and you want to go find a really powerful church, I, I want to encourage you to go and, and, uh, and look for Summit Church. Find Jason. Jason will be there. He'll shake your hand. He'll welcome you. Not now. Not now because we can't shake hands, but <laughs> when the time comes, we just want to imply that. Um, so, again, that's where you're going to find us. Uh, our ministries. We want you to subscribe to us, keep up with us, what's going on. So I'm going to give this over to Jason. Listen, we're going, I know Jason's going to pray and now he operates in the prophetic. So he may have a word for somebody. And if he does receive that, um, and I just want to give him the floor. We're going to, we're going to, he's going to pray. And then we're going to say, God bless you. We're going to, uh, we're going to, uh, for us, our ministry will take off tomorrow on Thursday, but we'll be back on Friday. So Jason, Go ahead and close it out, man. Let the Lord use you however he puts on your heart. All right, man. Yeah, um, there's something that is just kind of stirring here um, for those that remember that he brought them out of bondage. He brought them out of Egypt. And I feel like the Lord is even using this time of Passover for you to pass over into the purpose and into the plans. Ultimately, they were on their way to inheritance. They were on their way to a land that had been promised um, to, to generations before. And so I believe the Lord's even using this time frame um, for us to, to recognize him, discern him. But even as, as the, the voice of his children came out and cried out. They heard, He heard their voices as they were under a Pharaoh. I believe the Lord is setting uh, his sons and his daughters free from even old uh, traditional mindset Pharaoh, Pharaoh structures and systems that, that have put, appointed taskmasters that have only partially equipped you uh, for, for your purpose, partially equipped you for things. It, it's, it, that's, what, that's what a Pharaoh does. He always dangles that carrot out in front of you, uh, promising you certain things, but never bringing fulfillment. He says, I want you to make bricks. Yes, I want, I want you to make bricks, but I, I'm only partially equip you to do it so I can keep you in my kingdom, so I can keep you in my empire and build my kingdom and build my empire. That's what a Pharaoh does. He keeps you as a slave with partial, partially equipping you. And so make bricks, but do it without straw. Make bricks, but do it without straw. So in this time, the Lord said, no, I, you've not been slaves. You're my sons and don't, don't live under an identity that's less than what the price Christ paid for you through his blood. And so he, there's a mass exodus of Pharaoh systems and structures. Then there's a, 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 a calling out of those things. And the Lord is bringing you through the waters uh, of a fresh baptism in him, just like the Red Sea. Again, there can be no birthing without a breaking of water. So there was blood on the doorpost, but there was also a breaking the waters of the Red Sea. This was a picture of a birthing of a new era and birthing of a new time. And so he's birthing this new era and birthing this new time to get you back into true biblical Christianity, to, to actually see Christ being formed, not just ministry being formed, not just tradition being formed, but actually see Christ being formed in you. That's what we are to be laboring for, is to see Christ. And that labor is not just work, but it's labor as in birthing, and which is work. And so I, I believe the Lord is setting you free from certain structures, setting you free from certain systems, setting you free from uh, Pharaoh and orphan mentalities that would try to keep you bound from actually advancing the kingdom of God. Anything that was trying to hold you back, the Lord is ultimately saying because of the price of the lamb, hallelujah, because of the blood of the lamb, because of the body of the lamb, he's already set us free. And now he's enforcing that. He's saying, let my people go. That's the sound of the Lord that's releasing right now. And he's going to, he's going to keep, 
keep guiding you as a cloud by day and a fire by night, walking you through this time frame on the way to inheritance. He's trying to remove that stigma and that mindset of slavery because he's marked you as sons. You were predestined to the adoption of sons. You have the spirit of adoption that, that cries out, Abba, Abba. And so uh, this, this is that time frame where we, because of we focus on his blood and focus on his body, that we've been born again. We've been transferred out of darkness and out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of his son. And this is the transfer that's happening even now. All these entertaining thoughts, uh, these thoughts of entertainment, Christianity, all these um, other things that we've had that set up in place, everything has been shaken and everything's been brought low so that we can actually see Christ in this hour. And so that's what I feel right now um, for those that are watching. And I just also want to remind you, um, you know, these of the fiery trials, you know, first Peter four says, don't think it a strange thing concerning the fiery trials, which is to try you as some strange thing happened to you. I mean, you know, this should not really, um, you know, let me say it this way. If you're part of a kingdom that can be shaken, you're part of the wrong kingdom. Come on. If your kingdom's being shaken right now, it's proof that you're part of the wrong kingdom. Get in him, get in Christ. And it says, but rejoice. How do you respond to trials? Peter tells us rejoice that you partake in Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be um, uh, glad with exceeding joy, it says. And it says, if you're reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. Talking about a blessed life, there's a blessing in, in being reproached for the name of Christ. Come on. It says the rest of that verse is that there's a spirit of glory and of God will rest upon you. Mm -hmm. So in the midst of trial, in the midst of persecution, his body, his people can have a spirit of glory resting upon them. Come on. Mm -hmm. uh, trials are temporary. They're not, they're, they're, they're not eternal. The enemy will try to come in and sow lies that, that trials are eternal. No, they're temporary. They, well, <laughs> depends on what kingdom you're a part of, but <laughs> trials, are, <laughs> trials are temporary. You know, Second uh, uh, Corinthians 4, our light afflictions, but for a moment, it's working for us, a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Come on. So those are some things I just want to remind you that you can have peace. It says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So, you know, it's not my righteousness. Why? Because my righteousness is filthy rags, right? My righteousness. So it's his righteousness. I lean into the body. I lean into his blood. I consume those things because I can under, I can see him rightly. When I see him rightly, I can get my identity. I can see myself rightly. And in John, he says, these things I've spoken to you that my joy, this is Jesus saying, my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be, might be full. So I can have his joy in the midst of chaos. I can have his joy, and my joy will be full because it's his joy. And he also said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give unto you. And it says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Why? Because Jesus said, I'm giving my peace to you. So I can have his joy, I can have his peace, and I get those because I have his righteousness. So yeah. these all, and, I, and when I seek the kingdom first and his righteousness, then all these things, peace, joy, and everything after that can come. So in the midst of the chaos, I, I can have peace. I can have joy because I'm beholding the lamb. So Father, I thank you right now for those that, have, that are watching, those that are listening on podcasts, those that are um, uh, watching this on, even on replay right now, Father. I thank you for a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge you knowledge of you. I'm asking that the eyes of their understanding will be enlightened, Father, that they would know the hope that, that they have in you, Father. I'm asking right now that great grace and a great glory be released on those that are weary right now, and, and that we know that the enemy tried to come in in Daniel 7, 
25. He's trying to change the laws and the seasons to wear out the saints of the Most High. But I thank you that we're not becoming weary and well-doing, Father, that, that there's a strength that's being released, that even now there's a peace that surpasses all understanding being released to those that are hearing and receiving this word today. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we just we just stand, and I just I want to pray a prayer of protection over everybody that's watching. Yeah, come on, man. Because there's a lot of anxiety right now, and 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 I saw in the comments a lot of people are putting red ribbons and threads and tapes even over their doorposts, just as a significance. And we know there's no power in that, but it reminds me of Rahab. Right. It's a memorial. It's a marker. It's, a it's like the memorial yeah. stones. Do this uh, and remember. It, it's not. There's no power in that because there's the only power in the blood of Jesus. Period. Exactly. And that's um, what we celebrate, but those are markers. Yeah, so uh, we just stand upon, uh, Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your, your word of Psalm 91. Lord, you said, according to your word, that he that abides in the shadow of the Almighty, he that, that hides in you, he's found in you. Lord, you said that you would cover, you would cover us with your wings, and we would not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies okay. by day nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness or the destruction that lies waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at our side yes. and 10,000 at our right hand, but it shall not come near you. And I just, I feel led to tell, and we're going to read close this. Come on, man. You may watch the news and it'll say a thousand have fallen. I saw that the other day uh, uh, on the news. 1,000 people, 1,700 people died in one day. And the word of God says in Psalms 91, a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at our left hand. We cannot be moved by fear, but we have to be steadfast by faith and believe that as we abide under the shadow of the Almighty, whatever is going on out there does not dictate what goes on in here. He is well able to feel the Holy Ghost. God can send an angel of the Lord. Uh, Psalms 34, 7, the angel of the Lord encamps around about those who fear him and he delivers him. And the angels of the Lord bear us up in their hands as we dash our foot against the stone. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. I declare that over you. In Jesus' name, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. In Jesus' name, we, pray, we profess that precious blood of Jesus. Yes. We profess that over your homes, over your household, over your families, and over your marriage, and over your children. And we declare not a hair on your head shall be lost by faith. We decree that today. And it's in the name of Jesus, the name of Yeshua, that we pray today. Uh -huh. Amen and amen. All right. Amen. Guys, thank amen. you for joining us. Jason, as always, man. It's always an honor for you to come back yeah, on. Man. And listen, guys, he's, we talked about this off camera. <clears throat> we're going to have him come back on a lot more and do these segments. I know you guys enjoy it. Um, so we're going to do that. We're going to have him on a lot more. So get used to that. And, uh, and um, we, love, uh, we love you guys. We appreciate you guys on podcast listening. We appreciate you guys on YouTube watching and on Facebook Live. So God bless you. And until we see you again, may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his countenance shine upon you. We'll see you soon. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more episodes and ways to partner with us, please go to remnantvoice.tv or email info at remnantvoice.tv. Please join us again soon for another exciting message from Pastor Jason Armstrong.